Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahe. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Welcome to another show and this show is going to be very very different from what we normally do. So ordinarily as you know if you're a regular listener to the show is that I would be speaking to some incredible speaker from around the world at the top end of their business um, and I'd be talking to them about what human-centered leadership looks like for them. These are people who practice emotional intelligence in their everyday lives but today it's slightly different. Today, what I want to talk about is communication and why I believe communication is so critical to the overall skill set of being a human-centered leader. Today, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm, I have no guest and it's just me sitting here in my little office here, just contemplating and cogitating on life and my past experiences. Communication has been something that uh, I've often thought about. I once heard a quote the success or failure of any relationship, whether it be the relationship at home or a relationship at work or a relationship with other stakeholders in your business dealings or in your organization, is down to how good the communication is. And when you think about that, it makes so much sense. Communication is something that we often do on a day-to-day, so almost minute-by-minute basis, even if it's communication with ourselves. And our actions or the results or the outcomes that we experience can also be linked directly back to the quality of the communication that we have, the quality of the conversation that we hold. Now, within communication... I believe that it's such a wide concept, you know, this whole idea of communication. What is communication? Within the idea of communication, I believe the ability to speak is critical. So when we open our mouths, or maybe when we don't even open our mouths, when we just walk into a room and we are communicating all the time by our body language, how we hold ourselves, the eye contact that we have, etc., 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 etc. But the quality of our communication, the quality of our external communication, if you like, the way that we speak, inverted commas, to the world, both orally and in other words, forms a central part on how good we become as leaders. I heard a quote, and I can't remember where this quote came from, but it said something like, all great leaders are great speakers. And you just have to unpack that a bit in your head. All great leaders are great speakers. The more I think about that, the more it makes sense to me. All great leaders, if you think back to any great leader that you can possibly imagine, whether they are famous or whether it's just somebody that you worked with, or maybe a member of your family, 
who has really, really impacted upon you in a very positive way. Their ability to communicate their message, their ability to connect and build rapport with you must have been really good. Or their ability to uh, build rapport with other people must have been really good because at some level it has inspired you, right? So about 15 years ago, when I was a leader in the police service, I was often called upon to speak to large groups of people who are in my teams or maybe members of the community at a community gathering or maybe the media and what I found was that you cannot take public speaking for granted right that was that was like my my first understanding of what public speaking is and that it's a skill set that can be learned but we cannot afford to take it for granted we literally cannot just get up and expect to speak with impact and gravitas and, you know, in a, in a very smooth and convincing kind of way, just because, so, you know, we've aspired to some leadership level. It doesn't work like that. It's not like through some process of osmosis that we acquire the skill set. It is something that we have to learn through wisdom, experience and techniques. So I found you know, as a lifelong introvert, and I've been an introvert for as long as I can remember, you know, I've been doing behavioral preference tests on myself for at least the best part of 25 years. And I've been consistently showing up as an introvert, even to today. And yet here I am speaking on stages uh, to thousands of people. I'm in front of the TV camera on a regular basis. I have my podcast, I have a radio show. I am, um, you know, delivering lectures to very, very senior leaders across all sorts of industries and delivering lectures at universities. I'm on the stage an awful lot when I think about it. I am in front of people and speaking in different formats on a regular basis. How did I get here? And this is where, you know, I do start reflecting on this journey because 15 years ago, when I started having to do more and more speaking, I was awful. (laughs) Quite frankly, I was awful. I was awful uh, for many, many reasons. I was awful in the sense that I was petrified. And I remember that, um, you know, every time I was asked to speak to a group of people or to a crowd, particularly if it's a large crowd uh, of people who actually know me, my peers or my teams, my mouth would go dry. My heart would be beating at 100 miles per hour. My blood, I could feel my blood pumping around the body and I'd be like, why is this happening? Uh, I, I could feel myself almost, you know, catching my breath and breathing really rapidly to get more oxygen into my body, I guess. Um, Sometimes my body would start trembling. So I really wanted to understand what was going on. And this is what I found. This is just the psychology of fear that surrounds public speaking. And by the way, did you know the fear of public speaking is called glossophobia? And did you know that uh, around 75% of adults in the United States um, of America suffer with some form of glossophobia? That's like three quarters of the adult population of the United States. There's some research that suggests that uh, the number could even be higher in the UK because we have a much more reserved way of being, right? So it is an issue that's very prevalent 
across the adults in society and therefore why would it not be prevalent when it comes to leaders i remember you know many years ago about four five years ago i think it was i went and delivered a a, a talk to a group of like 350 400 police officers and i was talking about human-centered leadership and you know the importance of creating cultures that are inclusive where people feel valued appreciated heard and seen to wrap up that uh, particular conference, uh, stood up uh, a a very, very senior police officer for that particular police force. I'm not going to name that police force uh, because it's very easy to identify that particular officer then. But I remember this very, very senior police officer got up uh, just to wrap up, basically. They only had maybe a five-minute speech uh, that they needed to get through. But I watched as they were talking and they were pivoting from one foot to another foot, to and fro, to and fro, back and forth. Um, there were there, there, there was tremors in their voice. Uh, they had a very closed sort of uh, stance or very protective, very defensive stance. And, and they were bright red in the face. And I could really um, sort of resonate with this individual. I could see that they were uh, very, very uncomfortable. And I found myself wondering, you know, that they had got to this extremely senior level in leadership in in the police service, and yet they still found it extremely, excruciatingly uncomfortable standing up in front of a group of people. And that was me 15 years ago. 15 years ago, when I, whenever I was asked to speak in front of an audience, I would be exactly that. My mouth, as I say, would dry up. I would have all of these tremors and bloods and palpitations and all of this kind of stuff. Uh, and it was not until I did my research to find out what was going on that I really understood. So you see, when we were back in the whole caveman days and cave women days, when we were hunters and gatherers, we are going out to our caves, we are going out looking for, I don't know, fruits and berries to pick or animals to to to, to hunt um there was a one part of our brain that was constantly scanning our environment to say hey am i safe am i physically safe in this environment so we're looking for i don't know what it was back then maybe it was a mammoth maybe it was a saber-toothed tiger maybe it was some other animal that i've never even heard of but there were animals out there or or even maybe other tribes that were going to be a real and present danger for us so there's this radar that goes off inside our head that's constantly scanning uh, our environment. It's part of the whole limbic brain within our own brain. And there is a part within the limbic brain called the amygdala. I mean, the literal translation of the word amygdala means almond because these two amygdala are shaped uh, about the same shape and size of almonds. But they are incredibly important because they are the fear receptors in our brains. And the moment that they sense that uh, we are in any kind of perilous danger, the amygdala, within like milli, milli, milliseconds, will fire off 26 million neurons to different parts of the brain to take away energy from those parts of our bodies that perhaps we don't need in the moment of danger, maybe our digestive system, for example, and actually put more energy into those parts that we might need. Uh, you know, we might need more oxygen, in in our bodies so therefore we breathe more rapidly uh, because we need to have enough oxygen if we need to run away or even fight uh, we need to 
pump harder, pump the blood harder. We need to get adrenaline into uh, coursing through our our bodies. Uh, um, all of all of these kind of things, and uh, so these behavioural responses were created by the amygdala, ready for the fight, flight, or freeze syndrome. And almost in that split second, we decided what was a right through the amygdala, we decide what the right course of action is, whether we fight, whether we flight, whether we run away, or whether we simply freeze and, I don't know, pretend that we're dead or hide. So here's the thing. I now realise that we have very, very few physical dangers. I mean, let's let's face it, we're not going into our organisations or out there in the world and conducting our business in the midst of uh, poisonous uh, snakes or saber-toothed tigers or rabid dogs or any of that kind of uh, stuff going on anymore. You know, where we live here in the UK, I don't know if there is one dangerous animal. I think we might have a, a slightly poisonous snake that lives up in Scotland somewhere in Adder or something. But beyond that, I don't think there are many poisonous or dangerous creatures in the UK. We live a fairly safe life, really. But the amygdala doesn't stop working. Our limbic brain doesn't stop working. You know, the emotions are still coursing through our thoughts, aren't they? And the amygdala is still looking for fight, flight or fight responses to what it perceives to be dangerous. So here we're now, we, 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 we delve into the realms of psychological danger. So this is a term that's been used an awful lot in the context of, you know, when people talk about uh, the great resignation and how people are leaving organisations more now than in recent times. And it started off in 2020 after the lockdown where people recalibrated their priorities and thought, well, what's important for me? Well, it's important for me to feel psychologically safe in my environment. Well, Imagine that uh, you are one of the 75% of uh, people, at least 75% of the people who have glossophobia, a fear of public speaking. And imagine that you've been asked to do a presentation either to your peers around a meeting table on some new concept or a project that you're driving. Or imagine that you have to now stand up in front of your teams to deliver some news or maybe like me as a you know, a police commander, as I used to be, I'd be talking about a policing operation. Um, or maybe you've been asked to, you know, invited in to speak on a podcast. Who knows? I might be reaching out to you, whoever's listening right now, to speak on the Human Centered Leadership Podcast. How are you going to feel? Imagine if you've been asked now to go and speak on a radio station or in front of a TV camera, God forbid. <laughs> How are you going to feel? These are all the important issues and if you don't feel psychologically safe guess what's going to happen your amygdala is going to fire off on all those 26 million neurons to all sorts of different parts of your brain and you're gonna feel a bit breathless a hyperventilating heart palpitations adrenaline coursing through your body maybe some tremors dry mouth you know, all of these kind of things, the, these behavioural responses to fear will show up even when you're not in physical danger, but you perceive yourself to be in psychological danger. So in order for us to become really good at public speaking, I think it's very, very important for us to start understanding psychological danger and our responses to perceived psychological danger and therefore how to overcome some of these fears that we hold. 
But let's just focus in on public speaking and why I believe it is such a critical skill set, such a critical skill set for leaders. You see, I think that uh, having effective public speaking skills are crucial for success, whether it's delivering presentations or speaking in meetings or making announcements. Our ability to articulate our ideas and connect with our audience can have a significant impact on both our credibility and our influence. Public speaking helps us to express our ideas and our thoughts clearly and it makes it easier for the audience to understand and maybe support our vision. Because let's face it, we, as one of the roles of leaders, is to ensure that everyone is going in the right direction. In order for them to do that, they need to be brought into your vision. And in order for them to be brought into your vision, there has to be a bridge of trust, as I call it, between you and your teams. Public speaking also allows us to connect with people on a deeper level beyond our normal communication. We need to build a deeper level of relationship with other people, a relationship that is built on a platform of trust and credibility. And that's what inspires others to take action. Often, I've seen leaders who hide behind the rank or the insignia that might sit on their shoulders if they're in a uniformed environment, or they sit behind the authority of their title or status, or even where their office is located. But if you want to inspire others, it's about building credibility and trust. And I have seen this many a time where people have said, you know, that they trust in my ability as a leader to get a complicated job done. But then I've also heard people talking about other leaders, you know, you hear the conversations where there is a clear lack of trust in the other leader and therefore they won't be inspired to follow that leader to carry out the complicated role that they may be asked to perform. In today's fast-paced and rapidly changing world, and let's face it, you know, we are living in this incredibly accelerating, changing world. Uh, Being able to communicate effectively our vision and ideas has never been more important. Whether it's communicating our company's direction, inspiring our teams to achieve their goals, or communicating with stakeholders, effective public speaking skills, I believe, can help you to achieve your leadership goals. So it's important to start focusing on developing our public speaking skills, whether it's through practice, taking a course or seeking feedback from others, investing time and energy into becoming a confident and effective communicator is the thing, I believe, that will take your leadership ability to the next level. And that's why I'm so passionate about public speaking. It's an essential skill in today's world. And it is something that we do without thinking. We're constantly communicating with other people. We're constantly having conversations. And it's not just about the context of work. You know, if you've been asked to deliver a speech at a wedding, I've had many, many coaching clients who said, oh my God, Cole, I've got a speech to deliver at a XYZ. And the wedding speech has featured a a few times now. Uh, How do I get over this? Well, the skill sets, as far as I'm concerned, are exactly the same. Good public speaking can help us build our confidence, establish our credibility and persuade others to take action. 
So the first thing, I'm just going to go through a, a few pointers, I think, that are important when it comes to public speaking. Just things I think that are important for us to maybe think about, maybe reflect upon, maybe practice uh, as time goes on. The first one is to start understanding your audience. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're speaking, whoever you're speaking to, the first step in preparing for our speech is to understand the audience. Who are they? What are their interests? What are their concerns? What do they want to learn or hear from us? And by taking that time out to understand our audience, we can tailor our speech to their specific needs, their pain points, if you like, and ensure that they stay engaged throughout, even down to the style of language that we adopt. I guess the next thing is to choose a topic. So this could be something that you're passionate about. It could be something that's relevant to the audience. Well, of course, it needs to be relevant to the audience. Let's be honest. Otherwise, why would you be speaking to this audience about it? And it's also something that you need to have some level of expertise in. And the key is to choose a topic that will keep your audience interested and engaged. And in order for us to do that, we have to do a lot of researching and gathering of information. Now, when I'm asked to do speeches, one of the first questions I respond with is, what would you like me to speak on specifically? Have you got any idea of the message that you want from that speech? I was asked only two days ago, can you deliver two keynote speeches at uh, two conferences that we've got going on in our organisation? We're just planning those. We'd love for you to come over and do some keynote addresses. And can you give some cost? That's all I got. And the short answer is no. Yes, I can give an impromptu speech because I've been giving a lot of speeches over a long time and I can now do that. I have got that skill set. But if I want to add value, I really want to know what it is that they want to hear from me. What is what is it? What are the areas of growth that they want to experience as a group? So do your research. Ask a lot of questions and gather information from a variety of sources, maybe books and articles and, and the Internet. I often will use the Internet to research an organization where I am doing some speaking. I want to find out the kind of language that they use on their in, on their website. I want to understand the values. I want to understand their mission statement, uh, maybe the strategic direction that they're heading towards, just so I have a sense of where this organization is at. And then I can, then I can build a rapport with the audience because I can speak at their level. Much the same as you would do if you were having a one-to-one -one conversation. The next thing I would do is think about writing an outline. Now, I'm not one of these people that writes a speech and then just talks to the speech that's written on my paper. I find that whenever we do that, we almost sound like automatons, almost sound like robots. You know, it takes away so much of the energy and the passion, and what I call the tonality of all of this, uh, because there is no slippage room at all. So what I prefer to do is I will make a series of points, right? I need to address this point, this point, this point, and this point. And then I would talk fluidly in between those points, which is much the same what I'm doing with this podcast right now. I have like a, a number of points that I've, I've put up in front of me and I'm just talking fluidly in between all of that. When it comes to delivering your speech, I think that if it's a brand new speech and Specifically, if it's, uh, you know, like a really, really important big audience, maybe that you're delivering it to, you need to practice. 
And that's not to say that you don't need to practice if it's a smaller audience. Of course you do. You need to understand what your speech is all about. But don't learn it in a parrot fashion style, you know, word for word, because you lose so much authenticity within that. And let's be honest, authenticity is, I believe, the new superpower that people are looking for. So when we are delivering this speech, it's important for us to use stories to bring it to life. It's important for us to use a language that is natural for us as a speaker, but also use a language that is natural for the audience. Uh, make sure that our body language and our nonverbal communication and our tonality matches the words that we use. Uh, I love the work by Albert Morabian. Albert Morabian was a doctor who, uh, and a philosopher and a psychologist who came up with a piece of research that suggests that around about 7% of the impact that we have on other people is through the spoken word. Now, there's a lot of arguments and debates around the specifics of the percentages. But by and large, much of our impact that we have on other people is not just through our words. Our words are important. Of course they are. But the way that we use those words, you know, the, rich and, uh, the rhythm and pitch of our voice, the actions and the nonverbal communication that we use to emphasise certain areas, to speed up and slow down our words is so incredibly powerful. And you'll see many, many, many of the best orators in the world, when they are delivering their talk, they know when to speed up, when to slow down, when to speak louder, when to speak softer. They know how to use their hands. I mean, Barack Obama was a, was a, was, was a, a genius at this. I love to teach people how to really shape their bodies and how to use the tonality to really emphasize and bring home their message. I'm going to leave you with a couple of thoughts. There are three questions in the mindsets of the any audience when you literally, when you get up to speak. And I think those questions are, why is this subject important to me as an individual? Why are you the right person for me to listen to right now? And why is now the right time? And in the context of delivering your speech, you need to be able to answer those three questions without specifically, you know, bringing out these three questions. Uh, and one of those very, very powerful questions is, why should I listen to you right now? And this is where your speaker credibility or an expert credibility really needs to shine out. And the way that we do that is by telling a story. We tell a story that's in the context of, of the subject matter or the content that we are uh, pushing. And we need to tell that story in such a way that it brings people in. Now, the best storytellers out there, I believe, are comedians. They can tell a story. And you know why their stories are so good? It's because they act them out. And many, many people say to me, yeah, but you know what, cool. I can't tell a story when I'm doing a boardroom presentation. Uh -uh, of course you can. I've done it a thousand times. I work with C-suite leaders now to help them craft stories in a certain way so that they can bring their presentation to life, even when they're talking at such a senior level across a boardroom. We are, as human beings, are hardwired to learn through stories. Think about all of the books that you've ever read that you've learned something from. It's because there was a story within there. All the religious texts, they all have stories. Even uh, the non-fictional uh, texts that you have read in your life will have examples and stories. Uh, and, and, and that's why telling a story in any talk, in any context, is really, really powerful. 
There is so much I could tell you about public speaking, but here's the thing, guys. I, I can't do that in one podcast. So I wanted to do this special podcast just to bring out and highlight some of the key things. And I also wanted to let you know that we are looking for beta testers for our brand new, fully accredited Create and Speak course. This is our leadership and public speaking course that we are running in Derby in the UK on the 4th and 5th of March. This course is probably one of the highest accredited in the UK that I know of. It's CPD accredited um, and it's also accredited by the Institute Leadership Management. And beyond that, because I'm so passionate about leadership, um, I want delegates to walk away with this uh, from this program to not just become powerful communicators, but to continue to develop as leaders. So what you get at the end of this course is uh, um, a membership of the Institute Leadership Management. Uh, that gives you the post-nominals uh, that you can add to the end of your name and signature. But you get access to 400 hours of leadership development content from directly from the Institute, access to their membership magazine with the latest headlines around leadership, um, access to uh, networking opportunities with other leaders across the UK. It's a really powerful package. Um, so we're looking for beta testers because it's the first time that we're running this program since we got it accredited. But you will get all the accreditations uh, as a result of being on the program. There's a massive, massive discount on this. If you want to be one of those beta testers, we've only got limited spaces. Then please do check out our website, www.createandspeak.co.uk. That's www.createandspeak.co.uk. UK. We look forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much for joining me for this special. I wish you well in your public speaking journey. Remember, it's a critical skill set for all leaders out there. By doing the right thing when it comes to public speaking, remember, you can build rapport, trust, all the critical elements of powerful relationship building, whether it's with your stakeholders, your teams or your peers. Good luck in your journey. And if we can support in any way, then of course, reach out. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content. And of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. Take care. Have a great day.